Well, if you follow Twitter or Facebook, you know where we are tonight. We are uh, we're going to be talking about men's favorite subject. We are going to be talking about sex tonight. <clears throat> For some reason, I can't get that out. Um, I uh, when I was in seminary, Leanne and I were uh, had joined a church, and we were newlyweds. Uh, as a matter of fact, most seminary students are newlyweds. And so we kind of fit in with the crowd. We, we were newlyweds, and we were a part of a fairly large church, about the size of Clearview. We had a Sunday school class that, um, a Sunday school class made up of seminary students and um, was designed not only for seminary students, but for newlywed seminary students. And so in this, uh, in this Sunday school class, they brought in, never forget, they brought in one Sunday an OBGYN uh, to talk to all of us about uh, the subject of sex. And uh, the first thing he said as he stood, he said, uh, he said, now I noticed that some of you sit in, sit, sit in the back. That's because you're afraid I'm going to ask questions. And some of you are sitting down front. That's because you think I'm going to show pictures. So I don't know, I don't know, uh, I don't know where you fit in that group tonight. You make that up for yourself. But I, I want to I start tonight by just being transparent, all right? It's just going to make it a lot easier for me if I just get this out of the way fast. Uh, and looking at where we were going to go in the study, I, I'll be honest, I'd planned to just skip this session. And I thought I would just, you know, I just wouldn't even mention it. We'll just, we'll just blow right through this. And as we are um, talking, about, uh, talking about sex, and, the, and the, the only one that is more nervous about me talking about this tonight than I am is Leanne. And uh, she's not in here, so uh, she's, uh, she's in some other room. But uh, no doubt about it, sex is a subject that all guys are are interested in and very few of us have grown up talking about in a healthy way. We grew up talking about it, we just didn't grow up talking about it in a healthy way. And uh, so I um, started kind of approach this evening and this part of the, the study. Um, I would just say to you tonight, whatever discomfort level you might have, uh, mine is higher. So just don't worry about that tonight. Well, why didn't I skip? this part that Robert Lewis had put in his material. Um, and here's why I finally decided not to do that. It's because that's the kind of thing the church has typically done for a long time, is you come to something like this and we just don't talk about it. So we stay quiet about it and, and let the world do the talking about it in a way that is certainly not God-honoring in any way and certainly not healthy for our marriages. And uh, I believe it is because uh, we... Is that a bomb or is that guy going to make it on over? <laughs> it is because, because we, the church, are not willing to talk about God's perspectives on, on subjects like this that a lot of people just start searching kind of outside the church for answers to their curiosity, uh, and they do that in ways that put themselves outside the bounds that God has created and uh, to make that a healthy thing. So I, I don't know if you realize this or not, but there are some major differences in our sexuality between men and women. Um, we can start, first of all, just how often we think about sex. And um, it, the research says that, uh, that women think about sex. Anybody wanna guess how often? Once a week. Once a week. <laughs> I'm sorry, buddy, I really am. <laughs> sorry. Uh, <laughs> Uh, well, actually, 
Actually, it was more frequent than I thought, too, to be honest. It was once a day. Uh, so at least once a day. Um, but uh, on the other hand, guys think about sex an average of how many? 30-something, somebody said. 36. Yeah, close enough. It's 33 times a day and uh, that, that we... Think about uh, we think about sex. I don't know how your response to that is, but I mean, just think about it, guys. If we are thinking about sex that many times a day, in all seriousness, that, that's a lot of pressure on us, and uh, it's a subject that's just kind of kind of there. It's one of the things that uh, that really makes us easy targets for Satan, uh, because it is something we are wired to do that. We are geared to do that. And so the question, obvious question then is, so how do you manage that? How do you manage this thing, the sexuality? How do you manage this thought process that is in our minds on a pretty constant basis? And so can we just be honest tonight, on the whole, men in our society do not manage their sexuality well. We, we don't do this well. We live in a culture today that spends more money on pornography than country music, rock music, jazz music, classical music, Broadway plays, and ballets combined. We spend more money on pornography than all of that combined. And guys, statistics say that the percent of men who, uh, who deal with, struggle with, are addicted to, if you want to use that term, to pornography inside the church, view pornography inside the church on a regular basis, is the same as the percent of those outside the church. And so that would mean that tonight, about three out of every four of us in this room are struggling with this in our life. And um, tonight's time is not going to be spent so much on the unhealthy side, that side of it. Um, but uh, we want to look tonight at what does is, what is healthy sexuality looks like in a God-honoring relationship. And uh, anything a guy thinks about three, 33 times a day is a powerful powerful force in our life, and it certainly has the potential to be lethal if it is not managed well. Um, if we don't manage our thoughts, put them in the proper boundaries, uh, we are to capture our thoughts. Scripture talks about uh, your sexuality very quickly can become a weapon of mass destruction, this thing that is all-consuming in our lives. And if not managed well, becomes an area where we create uh, the situation where there is betrayal, there is loss of reputation, there is loss of honor. Uh, a lot of situations ultimately, ultimately will lead to a man losing his wife and his family. It can be a loss of job, depending on what your particular company or your area or your career thinks about that. And all of us can think of uh, politicians who have not managed their sexuality well, ministers who do not manage their sexuality well. And so you put yourself in a position where you are disqualified. Uh, spread of disease, uh, and a lot of other things that it creates. Well, Lewis calls managed sexuality, he calls that a WMG, or a wonderful masculine gift, something that God has given us as, uh, as men as this gift. And so sex for a man that is properly directed is this incredible gift that God has given to us, guys. Uh, just listen to, uh, Just listen to this. You are absolutely beautiful, my darling, with no imperfection in you. Uh, your lips drip sweetness like the honeycomb, my bride. Honey and milk are under your tongue, and the fragrance of your garments is like the fragrance of Lebanon. 
How beautiful are your sandaled feet, princes. The curves of your thighs are like jewelry and handiwork of a, the handiwork of a master. Your navel is, is a rounded bowl. It never lacks mixed wine. Your waist is a mound of wheat surrounded by lilies. Your breasts are like two fawns, twins of a gazelle. Your neck is like a tower of ivory. Your eyes like pools of Heshbon by the gate of Bathrabim. Your nose is like the tower of Lebanon <clears throat> looking toward Damascus. Your head crowns you like Mount Carmel, the hair of your head like purple cloth. A king could be held captive in your tresses. Your be how beautiful you are and how pleasant my love with such delights. Your stature is like a palm tree. Your breasts are clusters of fruit. I said I will climb the palm tree and take hold of its fruit. May your breasts be like clusters of grapes and the fragrance of your breath like apricots. The, your mouth is like fine wine flowing smoothly for my love, uh, flowing smoothly for my love, gliding past my lips and my teeth. Now that is not some perverted section out of shades of gray. That is a section straight out of the inspired and the inerrant word of God that is, by the way, just as inspired as are the words of the book of Romans. God has given us this gift of uh, sexuality and expresses that even in this book that God has, has chosen to give us. Proverbs 5.19 says, A loving doe, a graceful fawn, let her breasts always satisfy you. Be lost in her love forever. I know what some of you are thinking. Some of you are thinking, man, I need to spend more time in quiet time, you know, reading, reading, reading a little bit more of this book. That's, that's a little motivation to stay with us, right, through our read the Bible for life. You're going to stay with us till we finish this thing. But the Bible clearly teaches that in proper context, which we know is the context of a relationship between a man and a woman for life in the context of marriage, that sex is a gift from God that is intended for our enjoyment. It is, as Robert Lewis says, it is a wonderful masculine gift from God, which managed, uh, when it is managed responsibly, that God has given to us in these relationships. So we all know, uh, we, just so we all know what we mean by uh, sex management, we are talking about in the bounds of a married relationship between a man and a woman. It's sort of weird, really, that you have to say that these days, is it not? And you know, the world has given us so many other views and so many other perspectives on sexuality that has twisted and perverted the very gift that God has given to us in these relationships. And so we're, we're, to, to even have to define where we're coming from tonight is really sort of a, it's really sort of a sad thing but it's, it's where we live and the world in which we live. So with all those disclaimers tonight, uh, I'm I, I'm uh, uh, putting out there for us as we begin tonight, let's begin talking about what every man wishes his wife understood about his sexuality. Now listen, guys, I know, I know some, a lot of you probably don't encourage your wives uh, to listen to the podcast, but I'm giving you a hint right here. This is one. You want to go home and say, man, you, you start to listen to this. You know, see, see what this guy says, all right? So uh, tune into this this week, and uh, we'll try to get the, the podcast up as quick as we can this week. But let, me, uh, let me just kind of, uh, let, let me, let me so I'm trying to help you guys out, all right? So let's just start with what do we wish our wives understood about our sexuality? My sex drive speaking from your perspective, my sex drive is powerful, persistent, and normal. 
I want my wife to know that I am not some kind of a pervert just because I think about sex all the time. I'm just a man. I'm just a guy that God created in all of this. I'm not, a, I'm not a sex addict because my sex drive is as persistent as it is. I am a normal guy. Research tells us that men are obviously, we, we are wired uh, to regularly uh, feel the need for sex. It's a strong impulse that we have. And so guys, listen to me. We are created by God to be that way. So if you have this strong drive in you, the strong sex drive in you, that does not make you weird. That does not make you something that, that, uh, that you should not be. That is actually what the way God has created us. It's normal. And so there is always this increasing physical pressure within a marriage relationship, this pressure for a sexual release. And once we get that, there is a, uh, there's a very quick turnaround for that. It's not long before we desire that same thing again. So research tells us the average man is going to feel that need two to three times a week. The average guy is going to feel that need two to three times a week. And so if the average man misses those moments, there's going to be this growing need within him. And if he cannot express that growing need sexually in some way, those feelings begin to turn to frustration uh, he will uh, begin to feel tense in his relationship with his wife. And so if we can't express that somehow on a very regular basis for us, uh, two to three times a week, whatever happens to be for you, then it creates some issues for us. Robert Lewis quotes Dr. Kevin Lehman, a psychologist and a counselor. And uh, Dr. Lehman said, most women underestimate the male sexual appetite. As a counselor, I am now prepared to tell Tell this to young women who are contemplating marriage. If you are not willing right now to make a commitment to have sex at least two or three times a week for the rest of your life with this man, do not marry him. That's coming from a guy who's counseled hundreds of couples, probably even thousands of couples over a number of years. He understands the research. He's read the research. He understands all that. And he's saying, uh, he's saying to women that that's just a part of who a man is. It's just the makeup of a man, uh, something the Apostle Paul, by the way, gave us years ago in 1 Corinthians, Paul talked, about, Paul talked about this a couple of thousand years ago, under the direction of the Holy Spirit, same Holy Spirit who wrote the Song of Solomon, we just read from a few moments ago, the book of Proverbs, we just read a few moments ago, Paul said this, Paul said, um, and I think I've got this on a slide, I do, but because sexual immorality is so common, each man should have his own wife and each woman should have her own husband. A husband should fulfill his marital responsibility to his wife and likewise a wife to her husband. A wife does not have the right over her own body, but her husband does. In the same way, a husband does not have the right over his own body, but his wife does. So do not deprive one another sexually, except when you agree for a time to devote yourselves to prayer, then come together again. Otherwise, you don't know, come back together quickly. Otherwise, Satan may tempt you because of your lack of self-control. And so guys, just say this. This is what we would hope that our, our wives understood about us in this area of sexuality is that our sex drive is powerful, it is persistent, and it is normal. And so, uh, so that our wives would understand, man, I'm not some crazy just because, just because I, have this, I have this high sex drive in my life. Number two, sex to, is to me what affection is to you. That's what we want our wives to know. What affection is to you? My number one need. One empowers the meeting of the other. 
And so a husband's uh, craving for sex is no more selfish than a woman's craving for affection. And I don't think, I don't think many women would say, you know, it's really selfish of me to really want affection from you. And so what we want them to understand is neither is it, is it selfish of me to want to have sex with you. They are both uh, real. They're both legitimate. They are both God-given needs. And when both are met, when the wife has the need of affection, the husband has the need of sexuality met, when those two are met, then you have this happy, healthy couple that is there. Is there. But ignore the wife's need for affection and there is trouble. In the same way, ignore the man's need for sex and there is trouble. Research tells us most affairs on the part of the wife begins with a lack of affection coming from her husband. That starts with one reason, it's the lack of affection. The same research would say that, uh, that many times affairs begin in a husband because of lack of sex with his wife. So guys, if a woman does not receive affection, she is not very likely going to be very enthused about having sex with you. And if you do not have sex with her, you are not going to be very enthused about giving her the affection that is her number one need. So here is the magical question, which of those comes first? You giving the, the affection or her giving the sex, which comes first? And we know this already, right, from session one. In session one, we talked about the paradox principle, right? What does the paradox principle say? Help me. Anybody remember? Die to live. Die to live. <laughs> die to live. I'm going to give up something. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to die to myself. I'm not going to be so selfish here. So guys, just die a little bit, all right? It begins with you giving your wife the affection that she needs, and then out of that comes what we are looking for in that relationship, our number one need, not that we don't ever look for affection, but our number one need, and that of being, that of being uh, uh, sex with our wife. So number three, sex for me, this is what we want our wife to know, is a grand oasis in the midst of everyday life. Uh, it's a place where I can escape and still experience a moment of pure fun. Now, all of us understand this as we get older. Life gets heavier. The burdens get heavier. The pressure gets heavier. The responsibilities become greater. The kids come along. We've got responsibility with the kids. We have responsibility as the, as the provider in the home. So constantly these things begin to pile up. But in those moments of intimacy with our wife, all that stuff disappears. For those few moments, all that stuff goes away. If only for a few moments, all of that stuff goes away, none of that matters. And so it is that oasis in the middle of our life we have, at least for those few moments, all of that pressure is pushed aside. Number four, fourth thing we'd want our wife to know is satisfying sex reassures me in my manhood. Um, and, and this goes back to just life, life beating us up. Am I okay? Am I still on? Life beating us up. The boss is on my back uh, because we just lost a big client and that client was my client. And so my boss is down on me. We had a bad month at our, at our house. And so the bills are piling up and we had some unexpected expenses come along. And so I want to know there is at least one area in my life that is going right. And if our wives only knew, if our wives only knew the power and the confidence that sex instills in a man, and that's what we want them to understand about us and about our sexuality. So four things that men wish their wives knew about them, but what about our wives? 
What about our wives? What do we want? What, are, what do we need to know? What do we need to understand about our wives in this area? And the first thing we want to know, first thing we want to, to know about is um, a special aphrodisiac for women. It is called before play, all right? And before play, here's the key principle there. Husbands need sex to feel close to their wives, but wives need daily closeness to feel like having sex with their husbands. Apart from that, they're not going to feel like having sex with us. So daily closeness, how do you keep your wife interested in you in this area? Several things. I'm going to just kind of run through this list pretty quick. Here's number one. Reassure her with words and with displays of affection. It's back to those notes we talked about a few, few weeks ago. Back to those notes that we would write to our wife, right? And uh, it's text messaging, uh, simply, simply telling our wife how much we love her. So I thought I was going to help you a little bit tonight, all right? And uh, I'm up here doing all the talking, so it's hard for me to do this, but I kept my phone on tonight. I usually cut it off. Everybody get your phone out, all right, or your iPad. Everybody get your phone out or your iPad. Go to your wife's whatever text thing, all right? And I'm not going to tell you what to write. If i got to tell you that much, then we're all in trouble, all right? So I'm just going to send a note to Leanne. And I'm not going to tell you what I'm writing her. They are going to be so proud of us. All right, on's gone. All right, send a text to your wife. Just write one of those notes. We talked about this a couple of times, a couple of, couple of minutes ago. You can write, you know, you won't believe, but the pastor just told us to take out our phones and write notes to you. Unbelievable. So, um, so anyway, just tell her how much you love her, whatever, whatever that happens to be. So we want reassure with those words of affection and uh, displays of affection. Second, daily practice the romance of one small sacrifice. Um, and then one small sacrifice, what is that? It's doing the dishes. It's washing the clothes without being asked. It's, it's uh, folding the load of clothes, whatever it happens to be. It's putting the kids to bed at night. Those of you that have young kids at home, those little things that she is registering constantly that you are doing on her behalf, making mental notes of those things. And she may not say anything at the moment, but as those points begin to pile up on your behalf, you win. All right? That's all I'm going to say is you win. And uh, you just uh, small sacrifices every day. Number three, give her regular focused attention. Uh, and it's not going to cost you a dime. You don't even have to go out on a date. Get home in the, in the evening. Kids are in bed, finally. And just look at her and say, I'll tell you what let's do tonight, baby. Let's just, turn the, let's just turn the television off and let's sit here and just talk for an hour. Just give her your focused attention and see what that does for you. Um, try that tonight when you get home. Number four, speak her love language often. And by now, you've got some tools in your tool belt, should have. If you did the homework on the night, on the week we talked about this, you know her love language, you know some very specific ways that she wants you to be able to, um, to practice that love language or speak that love language to her. If it's gifts, what kind of gifts, or if it's words of affirmation, what kind of words of affirmation, etc. Number five, surprise her with a gift that is out of the ordinary. A note, some flowers, a, um, uh, a gift card to the spa, whatever it happens to be. So some kind of a gift out of the ordinary. Number six, surprise her by initiating something that she likes to do. What is something she enjoys doing? What a shock it would be for us to come home uh, in the afternoon, worn out from a day of work, 
and uh, hey, I thought what we'd do is let's just go shopping for a couple hours, all right? Uh, something she likes to do, something that she, she enjoys. Buy a couple of tickets to the symphony and uh, take her. Rent a, rent a um, chick flick movie and watch it, you know, suffer through one of those things. So, so uh, something like that. Number seven, stay actively involved in loving your children. Um, for those of you that still have kids, have kids at home, take them Take the kid out, your child out on a daddy-daughter date or a son-father kind of an outing or when they have a birthday, you get a little extra involved in playing the party. Whatever it is, your wife loves you for staying involved in your kid's life. And uh, it's something that, something that draws them close to you, something that makes them desire to be with you. Number eight, keep your relationship free of unresolved conflict. And unresolved conflict kills any responsiveness sexually between a husband and a wife. Now, just think about the eight things we just listed. We just went through real quick. Here, here's what you need to know. Those things are only the beginning points of sex for your wife. And that's how a grow, healthy, growing relationship and a healthy sex life, those things begin to mesh together. And just think about it for a second tonight, guys. Most of this is really not natural for us to do. The sacrifices, the sitting with a focused attention. I mean, most of that for guys is not really natural for us to do. What is natural for us to do is to do the self-centered kinds of things, especially us guys. But, um, but we'll give these things, with, which are the right things, is the things that our, our wives need in order to receive the things that we want or the thing that we want. One guy said it like this. If you want things to come alive at night, you've got to die a little. You've got to die a little during the day. If you want things to come alive at night, you're going to have to die a little during the day. Now, Robert Lewis goes on uh, to get into a rather lengthy discussion here about some very specific things in the bedroom. I am not going to teach those. Uh, those of you that have been through men's fraternity, you'll be very grateful for that tonight. But I will recommend a book. And uh, it's a book somebody gave me years ago that is The Act of Marriage. It is written for Christian couples. It, is, uh, it, would, it would tell you everything and more that Robert Lewis would have shared in his information written by Tim Beverly Hey, You can see at the top of that more than, two, uh, more than two and a half million copies of that sold. For those of you that aren't in publishing, that's a lot of books. Uh, and uh, just, uh, I, I would just highly recommend that as a book to read together. But let, me, let me close with some final thoughts, and then I'm going to let you guys uh, talk around the tables. All right? First of all, you are the keeper of your sex life. Take responsibility for it. Remember, you're going to get what you give. If your sex life is fading or it is not going well, do not blame your wife. That's the time for you to step back. Your first question should be, am I giving my wife what she needs? I don't feel like I'm getting what I need, but I need to back up and ask the question, have I died a little? Am I giving her what she needs? And if you're giving your wife everything she needs, I guarantee you, you're going to be getting what you need and what you want. All right? Number two, initiate conversation about your sexual needs with each other outside your bedroom. And, um, and too often I'll sit with couples who, who have some issues in this area, and one of the things that really kind of, kind of drives a wedge in there is you just pick the wrong time to talk about it. Uh, and, and if we're sitting here in front of the pastor talking about it, then we've got a whole lot of things going on. So uh, outside the bedroom, have those conversations, and here's how to help you do that. Just keep growing in your sexual understanding and insight. In other words, just read, there's some great books uh, to read together. I've already mentioned The Act of Marriage. One other that I would put in that same kind of category 
uh, second to the act of marriage, and that is one that is called Intended for Pleasure. Uh, and those two, both of those, they are written specifically for Christian couples. And so it talks about this subject and really helps you kind of walk through some things as a couple together, uh, as a Christian couple together, and is not written in a way that would disrespect her or that would be, would be written in a way that is not healthy for you to have that discussion. Mentioning that, number next is don't sell out the fantasy. Don't sell out the rich sexual relationship with your wife that God intended and God created for you to have. Don't sell that out for an image on a computer screen, guys. I know it's easy to do that. I know it's easy to fall into that trap. Guys, it will never give you, that image on a screen is never gonna give you the real thing, which is what you desire the most. And what you desire the most, because it's the way God created us, is this rich relationship, and within that relationship then, our sexuality is then expressed. Number next, seek outside help for sexual roadblocks that you can't work through. Obviously, if you get, if you get stuck, don't just ignore those things, but find somebody, find somebody that can help you and have those discussions uh, in, a, in a healthy environment. And finally, the best sex is not just an act, but it is two, two lives in community, the sex that will grow richer to grow more satisfying over time. All the research in this area where it does surveys with people that about their sex life, how satisfied are you with that? Always. It is not the guy who's with a different woman every night. It is not the guy having the affair. It is a couple that has been married for 15, 20, 25 years who has nurtured this part of their relationship, who has cared for one another, who have talked through these kinds of things, the couples who have been faithful to one another over all those years and have been attentive to this part of their relationship. That's because sex is not just a physical act. And uh, just think about it for a second, guys. God designed sex. I mean, it's in the creation. It's in the very first chapter, man and woman. There's a lot implied there. And God has created this, and then he set the boundaries. Then God said, this is now to be shared within this context only. This man and this woman who are married for life. And we would all say tonight, I think we would all agree, God makes no mistakes. God's not going to mess up. So he doesn't just... Doesn't it just make sense then that God would make sex most satisfying, this gift that he has given to us, most satisfying when it's expressed within the boundaries that he himself has set? And obviously that is the case. And yet, how many keep chasing other things to try to satisfy in this area in their life? Sex, Sex is not just two bodies that come together. It is two people that come together. It's two souls that come together. And there is this mystery that takes place when it's a man and a woman married to each other for life who express in this way physically together. But it's much more than just these two bodies that come together. That's why the Bible talks about um, if you had, if, if, scripture talks about it, if you have sex with somebody outside of marriage, that you're giving part of yourself away. There's something a lot more to this than just this act, this physical act. And I would say that's even the case, even if it's not with another person, but it's with a screen or an image on a screen. We're giving so much of ourselves away. And so um, we want to practice this within a healthy, uh, healthy environment, the environment that God created it to be, with the woman that God has given us, the bride of our youth, and to be able to express in that way our love and her love for us 
and to be able to do that in the way that God has created us to do. All right, we made it. I made it. Um, now it's your turn. All right, I'm gonna throw some discussion questions up here and let you kind of work through that, all right?